Right, we're ready to go. Welcome everyone on this Small Business Masterminds webinar, foundation webinar about making sales fun or it ain't nothing going to happen if we ain't sell nothing. How to make sales fun. And we're recording and we're getting underway. So, <clears throat> um, welcome to everybody for a small business master, small business masterminds foundation webinar about sales and how nothing is going to happen until we sell something. And this is what today is going to look like. First of all, going to going to give you a whole heap of stuff as much as I can cram into your brains in the time we have. And it's you know it's one of my favourite favourite topics. So I can go on about it for hours and hours, and, um, and there's probably a whole heap of stuff I have to uh, stop myself from, otherwise will um, go way over time. Um, I'm not going to sell you anything today. Just going to give you lots of stuff, and then at the end, I'm going to give you two thirds of the way through. I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, some information about how you can uh, take some next steps with me, if you uh, if you want to. Um, just remember, ask questions, um, get involved, engage. It's been proven time and time again that just sitting here passively listening to. Me talking means that you're going to forget 90% of what you've heard in less than a week. So if you want to get your maximum return on being here, on your investment of time, you need to participate in the best way to ensure that your focus is to actually go to the, the resources page and download the worksheets. And the resources page is at tiny.cc forward slash sales L page. Tiny.cc forward slash sales L page. And um, they're the worksheets and you can download them and you can follow along if you haven't uh, printed them out yet, but you can go and get them now. Um, I put this on hold and uh, follow along and um, you'll get an awful lot more benefit out of this webinar. For those of you who are here live, um, and there's actually quite a lot of you today, I think we've got. 23 years. It's great. I'm all over the place. For those of you here live, um, put up your hand, ask questions. Um, I hope I'm going to get lots of questions or comments or feedback or arguments, anything you like. Please don't get distracted by any of those. Facebook, LinkedIn, email, Twitter, you name it. Um, multitasking is a myth. It doesn't work. And what we're going to go through is this. We're going to um, check in where you are on this topic, the topic of sales. Um, we're going to talk about why sales is serious. I'm going to give you a, one of my business bedtime stories. Um, we're going to talk about why sales doesn't have to be so scary and why everyone can, be, can become good at sales. We'll talk about the five key principles of effective sales, and then we'll spend some time talking about trust. We're going to spend some time talking about giving um, then there's going to be a special offer and then we're going to take action uh, because uh, without action nothing happens and uh, so this is me um, for those of you who can see this not very useful for the podcasters to look at not the podcast listeners to look at this um, 
photo, of course, but that's me. Um, I'm Roland Hennacruit. I'm a business coach. I'm a mentor. I help small business owners become less overwhelmed and have more fun in business, fun in their business again, and build businesses that sustain them for years to come. And so today we're talking about fun in sales. And I'm also the author of, um, of a series of business books, a trilogy, actually, the 10 Truths Trilogy, business books for business books for people who don't read business books, but should. And um, this is the title page of uh, truth number seven in my first book. And truth number seven in the first book as well as in the second book is about sales. And that's the truth. And that's also our topic. Nothing happens until we sell something. Um, and um, this is what I want to achieve here today. I want... Um, I want you to walk away from today, from attending this webinar, um, with the following five things. I want you to get. Um, uh, I want you to get why sales seems so much harder than it actually needs to be, and I want you to get why sales starts with the concept of value. Why it always has to start with the concept, concept concept of value, and why anyone can be successful at sales, and why the most important, the most successful salespeople give much more than they get. And finally, I want you to all leave with a greater appreciation of um, of how important it is to be great at what you do as well as to be great at running your business. Because a lot of business owners, you know, are great tradespeople and professionals, and we know a lot about our profession or trade, but to be a great small business owner and to build a fun business that sustains you for years to come, you have to have a solid understanding of all the key aspects of developing your business, not just your profession or trade. And these are some of the other, well, these are all the key other aspects of business that we'll all wrestle with and face and have to face from time to time. Um, and all of these uh, are, all of these concepts and um, aspects are also in my books. And most of them I run these webinars, foundation webinars are about as well. So vision and purpose, vision, mission, purpose, planning, strategic thinking, goal setting, Numbers, taking control of your business, finger on the pulse, financial management and profit, cash, marketing, customers, sales, um, systemization or management, systems management, rhythm in other words, staff and you finally, leadership. And it's a lot to focus on, isn't it? It's just too much. It's overwhelming and it's daunting and it's just doing your head in. And so before we go on, I just want you to focus on the question on the worksheet. Um, and if you haven't downloaded the worksheet, do so now. And for those of you listening to the recording, push pause and go and find it. Again, the link to find the worksheet is tiny.cc forward slash sales L page. And down, find the worksheet link there, download it and print it out. And when you have it, there's a question on the worksheet on page two, and the question is this: Right now, what? Right now, this month, what is your most pressing issue? What is your biggest challenge? What's the thing that keeps you awake most? We'll take an, a moment to write the answer down on your worksheet, and we'll give you a minute. I'll give you a minute to think about that.
I'm sure that was a minute. Um, so let's move on. Right below that box that you were filling in that um, the answer to the question, what is your biggest challenge, your most pressing issue, just below that box is another question. And the question is, what is your outcome for participating here today? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to get from being here this evening? And then when you've decided on your outcome, you just you become clear on what it is that you want to get from being here. I want to encourage you to make sure that you actually get it. Do what you need to do to get what you're here for. Because there's only one person who can do that, and that's you. So let's get into it. Let's check in. Let's check in with where you are. And so I've got a poll question. I'm going to put a poll up in a minute. Um, for those of you listening to podcasts later on, uh, the audio files, or those of you who are listening in on this webinar by phone instead of uh, on a computer screen, don't worry, I'm going to um, read the questions out fully so you'll be able to vote and think about the question. Anyway, but in the meantime, let me go and pull out the poll for those of you who are actually here. Hang on. Right now. Here we go. You've got the poll. Five questions or five options. <clears throat> the question is this. When I think of doing sales, when I think of doing sales, I feel what I feel is this. Options A through to E. Option A, I feel frustrated. My customers mostly seem to be interested in price and to close the sale, I often have to discount my prices. Or B, it's awkward because I don't want to come across like a used a used term used car salesman or c i feel annoyed because my customers don't really trust me when i try to advise them or d um well i feel all of the above from time to time it just depends on when you ask me or e i'm excited because i love talking to potential customers and showing them how i how i and my product addresses their need exactly and um, and closing the deal. Ah, we've had a couple of people join um, our illustrious bunch. Welcome. We're, we're only just getting underway into the meaty part of it, of this webinar. We'll just have a look at the poll questions, if you like. How do you feel? Frustrated, awkward, annoyed, all of the above, or excited? Please select a... Um, an option now and most of you have as a matter of fact I think just about everyone has right alright so most people are divided between A, B, C and D no one voted E and that's of course fairly expected and you know, and, and <clears throat> what what do we have? We had um, 
We hit one one A, we had a couple of B's, a few a few C's, people were annoyed. And then the balance of everybody had um, D, so it's oh, across all of them. And yeah, and look, most small business owners or prospective business owners hate sales. They'd rather spend the week in, in a cell with their in-laws than do sales for a day, right? Um, oh, somebody actually feels E sometimes. It's nice. Thanks, Jill. Jill, is it Jill or Gil? Well, you, won't, you can't answer, so. <laughs> but it's great. Um, that's great. It's nice to know that somebody feels. Uh, uh, well, with a J, Jill. I thought it might have been. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> okay. Um, welcome, yes. Um, yeah, so, but most business owners are prospective owners, they heavy hate sales. But the problem, and the problem with that is this the problem with that is, um, is this that, uh, no, like fish breeding <laughs> with a J, Jill, no, Gil. Oh, Gil. <laughs> okay, all right. Moving right along. <laughs> I'm sure the rest of everybody doesn't want to <laughs> hear too much about our discussion about the about your first name. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the problem with this situation is, uh, yes, I, I got that, Gil. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, um, <laughs> totally <laughs> confused myself now. <laughs> Moving right along. So, look, the problem with this situation that when we're not doing, when we feel so uncomfortable generally around sales and we try and avoid it all the time, is that um, is this. That means that all we can do is walk around with our fingers crossed, um, hoping that somebody's going to want to buy something from us. It, it, if, if you don't sell well in your business, you're always going to struggle to develop the business to where you'd like it to be. That, you know, you'll sell with you, you, you you'll, if you don't sell well, you'll walk around with your fingers crossed, and that's not one of my favourite management techniques. Management by keeping your fingers crossed, and. Maybe we should be more like him. But you see, of course, the problem with all of that is this. If you answered A, B, and C, or D in, uh, in the poll above, that probably means that your margins are always going to be under pressure. Your conversion rate will, uh, <clears throat> um, uh, will be high, meaning you need to talk to a lot, uh, a lot of customers, uh, prospects to just get one client. And, and business is simply not going to be as much fun as you as you'd like it to be. And so that's the purpose of the webinar. How we, can we make it? Uh, we can take some practical, simple steps to make um, sales in our business a bit easier and especially more fun. And that's what we'll talk about today. And so um, I'm going to talk a bit further about why trying to build a fun business that sustains you for years to come without a dedicated, professional focus on sales is a hopeless task. And as we saw in the poll, you know, sales is a big nasty for most of us. So we'll talk about why it doesn't need to be and how everybody can learn to become a good salesperson. We're going to talk about the five principles, as I said, and, and it all starts with trust. Uh, with trust. Um, uh, so, it, look, it may seem obvious, right? 
But many businesses fall, fall into the trap of thinking that if their products and their services and their marketing are good enough, that sales are just going to follow automatically. And they don't. We've all seen Apple fans queuing around the block to buy the next iPhone or the i whatever. And it confuses the hell out of me. But I can assure you that even in those circumstances, Apple has trained its sales staff really well to be able to maximize the sales opportunity once people are actually in the door. But for normal people, in normal circumstances, in normal businesses, our customers are not going to behave like the typical Apple fans, at least not at first. Maybe at some point, but not at first. The fun business that sustains you for years to come can only exist if it sells enough of its stuff at prices that allow the business to pay for all its costs and have something left over. And if it doesn't, it won't last and it's a hobby. Something like these guys have. A hobby, plain and simple. Now, I'm not, going to be, I'm not telling you anything you didn't know already, of course, but it's important to be reminded that nothing happens until we sell something. That means that sales must be a dedicated focus in the business. It cannot be an afterthought. We have to do sales regularly, consistently, professionally. Meaning we have to, we have to make it important enough and make sure we get good at it. But as, as we saw in the poll, most business owners feel awkward, uncomfortable. I think it's hard. And, um, <clears throat> and where that all starts is here. Fear. A lot of us have a fear-based relationship with sales. On the customer side, we f we, the, the customers fear that it'll, they'll be sold something that won't help them, that they, don't, that they won't want. And the salesperson or the business owner, but the salesperson side, we fear that we, if we don't make enough sales, we won't hit our targets and we won't grow our business and succeed personally. So it's all fear and distrust and it creates and the distrust that it creates gets in the way and it causes the customers and the salespeople to behave in ways that makes the whole process uncomfortable, frustrating, awkward, awkward just like in comes out in the poll. And the whole selling thing carries so much baggage. Many, you know, many of us don't think we're any good at it, but we don't like it and we don't think our customers like it much harder, and but the great news is that there's some really, really simple things we, we can do to free ourselves of all of this fear, um, all this negativity and baggage, because anyone can be great at sales. You really, and you know, you, you really can, I really can. To be honest, you know, because I used to be one of those klutzes, right? Um, I used to get to the end of my of many sales conversations and I could tell. <laughs> Was not. I could tell that people were just totally confused and looking for the exit sign. Not a great feeling. As a result, I started telling myself that sales was really hard. But my, I worked on my mindset, and with the right mindset, it's become so much easier and so much more fun. Because as it happens, uh, and as it happens, and I have one of my business bedtime stories that illustrates the point really well. So, sit back. And relax. And imagine I'm tucking you all into bed and then let the bed box bite. Because here's the business bedtime story about George, about how George learns a, about sales as a system. So once upon a time, <clears throat> a long, long time ago, in a country not unlike Australia, George and Lisa, Lisa owned a building company. 
And I met George a few years ago when I was uh, and, and, and George is a builder and with a small team of carpenters and labourers on the payroll. And and George uh, George runs the business together with Lisa. Lisa runs the office. George um, is out with the guys and does the quoting and the customers. And so George usually builds in the in the five hundred dollar five hundred thousand to a uh, million dollar range large renovations and some new homes. So when I met him, one of the biggest issues that George faced is how much time is wasted on preparing tenders for architects. So his strike rate or his conversion rate was about 20%. And each tender, each tender he did, took, takes him about between 20 and 40 hours to do. So simple sum, George spends some 20 to 30 hours every week of the year, every week of the year, to win about six to eight projects. That's an awful lot of time, just tendering, right? Forget about actually running the business, just tendering and quoting, um, getting the tenders in six to eight, six to, for six to eight projects a year. So George felt he was stuck and frustrated because he felt he was missing out on the best years of his, you know, his young kid's life. And, and, and so coming from my own experience as a builder, I explained to him that the most effective way to get unstuck was to improve his strike rate. If we could improve his strike rate from 20% to around one in three, so 33%, the impact on his business and his life would, would be amazing. It really would be. So George set himself a two-year target to get his conversion rate to 35%. And the first commitment he made was to become just as professional about sales as he was about every other facet of his business. We started by carefully designing and implementing a sales system that would run like a machine to manage inquiries, leads, prospects, and quotes. Um, and George and Lisa invested uh, they, yeah, invested in a high-quality CRM system, and soon they were keeping track of prospects and leads at different stages in their sales cycle, and inquiries through email, phone, website, word of mouth, referrals were all entered, tagged, categorized, and appropriately followed up by um, in, in the uh, up in the system by Lisa and George also wrote a series of scripts for answering telephone inquiries and follow follow up calls and finally George enrolled himself in a six month sales training program. A year later, George's strike rate reached twenty eight percent. Then he got the rate down to thirty six percent or up to thirty six percent a year after. Just as importantly, though, now that George is so much more professional in his sales approach, he doesn't feel the need to negotiate on these prices anymore, and his margins have actually gone up significantly as well. And George and Lisa and their kids lived happily ever after. The end. Lovely story, right? And it's a true story. It's a true story. Of course, his name, I've changed George's name, but it's a true story and it illustrates exactly what we've been saying. Um, because first, it doesn't matter how good you are at your job. It really doesn't. You, you have to be good at your job, but you still have to sell. People don't generally just come and, come and knock on your door to buy your stuff. They don't. Sales doesn't have to be as scary as you think. Anyone can learn to just do sales well and get better at it. Um, make it as easy as possible for yourself by giving yourself the tools to sell, such as writing a few scripts for different situations. Simple tools, little tools, right? 
And the number one determinant of sales success is practice. Practice does indeed make perfect. Practice, 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 practice until it starts to feel natural. And George is the perfect, perfect example of the general malaise because George assumed that as long as he did a good job, the jobs would just come to him, but, it, but they don't, right? So let's see, have we got any questions at this moment? Questions at this moment before we move on. Ah, Kelvin in Perth. And Kelvin is also a builder. So I assume that you um, identified with George. Kelvin. So Kelvin says um, every quote he does, it always comes down to price. Um, it doesn't matter how good he is at sales. If he's not the lowest quote, he won't get the job. Okay, that's great comment. Great. Thanks for putting that up because it is, comes up a lot, actually. Thanks, Kelvin. Um, we're going to be answering some of, some of this question in the next part. I'm going to be answering it in the next part of this webinar as well. But just quickly, I know I know what you're talking about because I'm an ex-builder myself, right? So, I, and look, no matter what you do, your price has got to be right. Okay. If four builders are pricing the job and three of them come in with a price of 450k and you you on your own come in with a price of 550k, sure, you're making your life pretty hard. But if you're also in the ballpark or if you're also in that 450k range, you know, between 450 and 500 or whatever, that's what we're talking about. And I, look, I know several builders who are always the most expensive and always get the job because of their reputation, because of the way they, do, they treat sales, because, you know, lots of stuff. So it doesn't always have to be about the cheapest. It depends also about the, about the, in the market you're in, right? Um, but you obviously can't be twice as expensive, twice as expensive for, for the same product. But, you know, even, even in, in tightly regulated uh, government tenders, I've seen that the price, um, it, 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 the price rarely decides the successful bid. Um, and look, Kevin, uh, Kelvin, uh, Kelvin, sorry, Kelvin, um, I may not have entirely uh, convinced you yet, but, you know, uh, hang in there. We're going to get back to this topic further on as well. Um, so let's move on to any other questions right now. No. Okay. Um, let's move on to the five key factors for winning quotes, proposals, and selling more of our stuff. Um, so for a client to actually want to buy from you, to actually say, yes, give me some of that, and I'm keen to give you some of my money in return, there are five things that have to happen. First, the client must trust you with a capital T. More about that trust and, uh, about, uh, and how we gain it a bit later. Second, the client must understand what your offer is. Three, the client understands how that offer is of value to them personally. Four, the client can picture how good they're going to feel when you've completed the work or when they've bought the thing that you're selling. And five, your price is right given all of the previous factors. And there's that price thing again, but notice how it's at the bottom. It's the last factor. Don't allow yourself to fall in the trap of thinking that you lose sales because of price. If you lose a sale because of price, it simply means you haven't done well enough with the first four. Trust me. 
because the old rule is that all things being equal, all things being equal, people will do business with with <clears throat> people will do business with people they know, like, and trust. Trust is the key. But before we dig a bit deeper in trust, um, I just want to talk about factors two and three because they two, three, and four because they hang together as well. And then we'll get back to trust. So you have to be able to spell out your offer your offer to a client in language and terms that are meaningful to them. And that's one of the areas that I myself used to fall short in a lot. Remember before I used to leave customers confused, and that's what I did. <laughs> I left them looking like that. I didn't spell my offer out clearly enough, so it was easy to understand what I offered, and clients would be left scratching their heads. And if there's one thing I've learned, is that a confused prospect is never going to become a customer. People who are confused are always going to unconfuse themselves first, and they may do so by talking to one of your competitors. And if that competitor helps them get unfused, uh, unconfused, you've lost a customer. The next thing, remember we had clarity. The next thing is value. The next thing is incredibly important. It hangs together with the trust thing as well, actually. And we'll also talk about that a bit further again. But you've got to be clear about the value the value that you offer to the customer. Nobody's going to buy from you because you have a target to meet or because you have bills to pay <clears throat> or anything like that. People are only going to buy from you because they come to understand that there is much more value in them buying from you than not. There's always a really great illustration for this that uh, is often used, and it's because it's a nice, simpler, simplified um, uh, analogy, but it works. Imagine you're a customer going into a hardware store to buy a drill. Now, the drill itself has no value. It actually has no value. It's not entirely true, of course, because lots of men like tools, and they feel sexy about tools. But in essence, the drill has no value itself. So, you know, waxing lyrical about the features of the drill probably not going to get you very much the value the value is in the hole that the customer wants to that the customer wants that the customer needs in the wall at home so they can hang grandma's cuckoo clock that came all the way from switzerland you know i don't like cuckoo clocks but um <laughs> Beauty is in the eye of the whole. Value is in the mind of the customer, in the mind of the recipient. Um, <clears throat> the value of the drill to the customer is the fact that after purchasing the drill from you, the outcome of the process is that the cuckoo clock of, grand, of, of grandma's is hanging on the living room wall and driving everyone crazy every hour. And so it would be really helpful as well for the salesperson if the customer can picture what the cuckoo clock is going to look like and how it's going to feel. And that's that fourth factor. The salesperson in the hardware store needs to ask a customer what the drill is for and talk about that outcome and help the customer put the right drill and accessories together for the purpose of feeling great about having grandma's cuckoo clock on the wall. 
That's what the process is about. And like I said, it's a simplified example. It's not actually simplified, but it's a simple example. But it illustrates the concept perfectly. And and, and in reference to Kelvin's question before um, about uh, price being the only determinant in his business, he reckons, um, uh, you, you, you're never going to get past price competition unless and until you go through this process with your customer. Help them understand how your solution your solution is going to create more value for them than anyone else's. And that illustrates the problem that, uh, that, that's, that some builders might feel is that their product is no different. The product that they offer is no different to anybody else's. And if, if your product is identical to, to, to everybody else's, then, of course, the only thing that's left is, uh, is price. But that's <clears> – <throat> so, anyway, site issue. But the product is not just the product, right? It's not the drill. It's about the – ability to hang up the cuckoo clock because the reality is that you know, we and our customers want the same thing that thing is a solution that exactly meets their needs when that happens the customer will get the results they're looking for and be so happy that they decided to work with you and the likelihood is that they'll want to do it again they'll also tell many other people about the great experience they had with you there you go so let's get back to the to the first thing in the list Trust. It's really important that you understand the order, right? It starts with trust. And it, because if there's no trust, the sales process will simply not go anywhere. There's obviously different levels of trust. I mean, I don't, you know, we don't need to have the same level of trust um, if you're selling me a bottle of milk. Um, you know, that you need when you were when you were selling me a half million dollar renovation for my, of my house, but even in the case of um, in the, in the case of the milk, I need to trust when you're selling me the milk. I need to trust that you've treated the milk appropriately, that you haven't have to, haven't left it standing in the sun on a, on a hot summer's day, um, and that your fridge works appropriately, and that it's not out of date, and that you haven't fiddled with the with the label or the price or anything. There's a whole bunch of trust that comes with even buying a bottle of milk. Um, so where does trust come from? Where does trust come from? Um, how do we go about creating it? Well, there's a, there's two things that create trust first and foremost. First and foremost, it's passion and integrity. Customers want to see that you're real. They want to believe you, that uh, they want to see that you believe in the thing you're selling, and especially that you're enthusiastic and passionate about it. That's one. And second, they must see that you're a giver, not a taker. And um, this this will come back a bit further down as well, but uh, because. Um, a friend of mine's uh, uh, business, a guy called Ian Lowe here in Australia, um, he's running a business called Go Givers Australia, which is um, based around a book. And I'll show you the cover in a second. There you go. Um, uh, a book by Bob Burke and, and, uh, and John David Mann. Better in America. But, um, um, yeah, the business is Go Givers Australia. It's all about sales training. So it's about giving, not taking. Check out the book. It's really cool. And the second one as well. Uh, there's a second book uh, called Go, Go Give Us Sell More. 
So the first one, the first point is about passion and integrity. It's fairly obvious, so we're not going to spend too much time on it, but you can't create trust if you're pretending. Insincerity will not lead to being trusted, nor will being bored with your products or services. Customers want, want to be part, want, 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 want to part with their money unless they believe the transaction is going to make them better off. And if you're bored with it, they'll be too. So anybody got any questions about trust, please ask me, but I'll move through otherwise. Um, yeah, pipe up if you've got any questions about uh, building trust and stuff, but we'll move through. Because the second item I said was giving, giving as opposed to taking. Let's talk about that. Um, and it's, I'm specifically going to talk about some of those go-giving principles that um, that Ian Lowe and his business talks about and that, that book, the Go-Giver's book, talks about. Because the go-giving philosophy giver's philosophy is all about shifting your focus from getting to giving. Um, see, typically most people see or have experienced sales as a getting business. We think it's about trying to get the customer's money into our pockets and our products or services into their business. But when you can shift your thinking, you'll find it's not only a nicer way to live life and conduct business, but a very financially profit, profitable way as well. And that's essentially the premise of that book, The, the, the Go-Giver. The main character, Joe, who's an ambitious, ambitious aggressive, uh, and up-and-coming, yet very frustrated young businessman, leaves some, le learns some valuable life lessons that are going to transform his business and accelerate his success. Um, this is a slide out of the book. Um, it, it's, about, it's all about... Giving starts with this, the first law. There's five laws in the book, um, the five laws of stratospheric success. And the first law is your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. And remember, we talked about value before. It's one of the five principles of effective sales. Customers need to know what value they're going to be deriving. So how much more you give in value than you take in payment? And, you know, it can be hard to believe that in today's Wolf of Wall Street world, self-absorption that we read about, corporate scandals daily and we're faced with doggy dog, -dog competi competition, that, that you could actually give your way to success. But you see, when you take your focus off yourself and put it on the other person and how you can add value to them, how you can improve their, uh, their outcomes... In, in other words, when you can go from being I or me focused to being you or other focused, people feel good about you and people like you and they're much more interested in getting to know you and perhaps form a relationship with you. And of course, from there, great things can happen and everyone wins. Now, we call people with this mindset in um, uh, go-givers and, and they tend to be the most successful people financially in, um, in, 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 in many areas of life. Um, and it's, it's more than just money, of course, but there are many other forms of success. But in the context of what we're talking about now, we're talking about financial success. And so does that mean that what we're saying is, you know, we've got to be nice, like these lovely ladies? And that's not what we're saying. 
being nice is a great thing. You know, being nice certainly makes it easier to be successful only for the reason that you've got more people who are attracted to you and they're willing to get to know you better and form a relationship with you. That's great. But it takes more than being successful. It takes more than being nice to be successful. And, um, you know, and I think we all know, all of you and, you know, plenty of people who we describe as being nice, but they're uh, they're also not successful, certainly on a, and you know they're broke. I mean, we there's plenty of nice broke, unsuccessful people. But success also requires a person, you know, someone to do the right things along the process to be successful. Besides being nice. But when we're talking about a go-giver, we're simply just talking about a man or woman who has learned or perhaps intuitively knew that, 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 it, that, it's, that it's a person who can shift their focus, who can take their eye off themselves and focus on adding value to the other person. That kind of person, someone who focuses on the other first, accomplishes the most. Um, there's a famous... Um, a famous business guru uh, whose one of his dictums was you can have everything you can have everything in life as long as you help enough other people get what they need first it's the same principle and the thing is this is not just a nice view of the world that we have it's actually backed by some really powerful research um professor adam grant from the wharton business uh, school um, he wrote a great book on the on the back of uh, of, his, of a big research project that he uh, carried out into the impact of giving behaviours in the corporate world, and I'd highly recommend it. The book's called Give and Take. Give and Take. It's fantastic. I really love it. Um, and in summary, he res- his research discovered that givers are actually the most successful people financially and on any other measure you would like to. Uh, name but the key is to make sure you're doing the right type of giving and it's strategic giving um I, yeah highly recommend that book and both go give us books and they really changed my way of looking at business and and they're very easy to re- easy to read um so let's recap for a moment and um any questions that come have come up for you in the meantime the bedtime story about the questions the principles we talked about what are the top three insights or learnings that you've got from this uh, webinar so far maybe you've got more questions or more insights so please go ahead and write them down now. I'm going to give you a minute to write before I go. Um, uh, yeah, there's some space on your worksheet to write your top three insights, your top top questions. I'm just going to have another sip of my tea. Okay, um, so I've got some comments here from George in Sydney. Uh, George said, that, um, uh, what CRM systems would, would, uh, would I recommend? 
Um, CRMs are really powerful tools. So I use uh, I use a pretty big one myself. Actually, started using it this year called GreenRoad. Um, but there's lots of them. Um, look, I, I think every self-respecting business should have one in some form. But it's a big topic. It really depends on the type of business you have, and it goes from free to really, really expensive. But there's a few names. Salesforce is the you know is the Rolls Royce in the business. Batchbook, Pipedrive, Nimble, Zoho, Base, High Rise, and then there's something that call um, it's called referred to as marketing automation systems, which is sort of a next level up again. And I use one of them called GreenRope I just mentioned. But there's also uh, Infusionsoft, which is the standard in Australia at the moment. Um, I just heard the other day from an, of another really great one called Vision Six. The I've got a plot, excuse me, a client of mine onto Zoho, which is where you can actually start for free. It's very powerful. It can do a lot. Um, so I said Infusionsoft, HubSpot. So, there, there, I mean, there's literally hundreds. Uh, it, it enormously uh, depends on what you want to do with it. If, you, if you'd like more information about that, I won't go into too much detail now, but feel free to email me and I'm very happy to have a discussion with you about that. Um, Maureen in Melbourne. Scripts, scripts. Do I believe in scripts? Yeah, look, um, yeah, scripts help us to be prepared, actually. I mean, I think scripts are really powerful for answering the telephone or when we're making phone calls to prospects and customers, and, and I don't do it myself enough, I have to be honest and admit. Um, but they can be very powerful, and that's a great example once of how powerful or how stupid it is not to have them. I, you know, I returned a message once to a prospect. It was a message left on my answering machine a few years ago, and um, and I returned the message, and I got his answering machine, and I left the message, and I didn't hear anything back. So two weeks later, I thought, well, I better check out what's happening. Um, and I managed to catch the guy, and, and and he said, "Oh, oh, yeah, I engaged someone else." And I said, "Oh, any particular reason?" The guy said, "Yeah, well, you waffled so much on the voicemail that I decided you wouldn't be able to help me," and that really floored me because, you know, um, but so what I do, <laughs> I felt really bad about that. But um, so what I do ever ever since I really am making very sure that I know what I'm going to say before I pick up the phone even if I don't always have a script written out now, but I used to for a while. Um, any other questions right now? No. Okay. So um, any other questions, of course, feel, always feel free to email me at uh, ron.newperspectives.com.au. Time to move on. Um, we're going to go to our uh, actions and next steps. But first, before we go there, remember, um, before we said just, just too much to focus on. And I ask you to focus on your most pressing issue. What is your most pressing issue? The thing that keeps you awake. Now I can ask you to write it down before. And I wanna help you, I wanna help you uh, take some steps, find some clarity and take some steps around that most pressing issue. And this is the offer I'm making. Um, I called it my Wayside Chapel offer, and, it, and you'll understand in a minute why. 
because what you're going to get is this. You're going to get a uh, access to my online business health check, and you'll get a six-page report from doing the uh, the business health check. And you'll get a copy of one of my uh, three books in hard copy if you want, um, or an ebook or audio book. And um, and then we will go and take uh, do a one-on-one -on -one session via Skype of uh, up to an hour and a half, where we're going to really dig into this most pressing issue and find some clarity and steps forward. And all you have to do to get this great clarity and practical steps is to um, is to make a one-off donation of $100 to the Wayside Chapel, my favourite charity here in Sydney. Do They do great work. Um, $100 to the Wayside Chapel in Sydney, um, and the link to their website is here, www.thewaysidechapel.com. Um, and just go and make the hundred dollar donation. Let me know if you've done it. Um, and it really is the best deal you've had all year to take a big step forward in developing your business. And here it is again, free copy of the 10 truths. Um, oh, that's actually wrong. That's from a preview, the wrong slide. I'm sorry about that. Business health check, copy of my book. One-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one um, um, -on -one session with me. Clarity and next steps for a hundred-dollar donation to the Wayside Chapel. Oh, sorry. Next. So let's get back to action. Ain't nothing going to happen unless we take some action. So let me get you to reflect on two questions first. Are you taking sales seriously? Are you taking sales as seriously in your business as you take the stuff, your stuff, the stuff that your business does? And second, are you creating enough trust? So this is what I want you to do. The first thing you need to do is you need to set time aside for these actions that I'm going to talk about now. If you don't set time aside to do something with what we've talked about today, what we've explored today, and the information that you've had, in the next few days, in, the, in a week at the most, then coming on this webinar has been a waste of your time. It really has. That's what life looks like, a waste of time. <laughs> Is it actually a Salvador Dali? I'm not sure. Anyway. Um, so the only thing that makes any difference in life, in business, is what actions we take. So go to the resources page. I've got the link there at the top of this chat window, tiny.cc forward slash sales L page. Read the articles in the book, in the book summary. Watch the video by Brian, uh, Brian Tracy. Watch the Go-Givers video. And here's a strange instruction for you. Um, On your worksheet is a scale. The scale goes from zero to 10. And we're going to call this scale your master of sales scale. And 10 on the scale is that you're a sales machine. You convert more inquiries than you know what to do with just about. 
And zero is the opposite. The only sales you make are the ones where you have to discount your prices. Where are you on that scale? Place a mark on the scale. Right. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to brainstorm a list of 25 possible small, simple actions that you could, you might, maybe could take tomorrow that are going to move you one step up that scale, your mastery of sales scale. You know, if you're at six now, think of 25 actions that might take you, 25 different actions that might take you from six to 6.1 on that scale, on the mastery of sales scale, if you did them tomorrow. Please ensure that each action is small and specific enough that you can block out specific half hour or an hour in your diary in the next week to actually go and do this specific thing. I'm asking for a list of 25, not because I necessarily want you to do all 25. I want you to brainstorm 25. I've given you a few to start with there. They're also on your worksheet. You don't have to do any of those. They're not. Uh, you might not even want to write them down. They're just to give you some idea. But you can see what I mean. Those actions are very specific. You can go and block out half an hour to investigate CRM systems. You can go and block out half an hour in your diary to write an elevator spiel. Right? Very specific. Just because you write them down doesn't mean you have to do them yet. They're just possibles. But if you did one of them, it would undoubtedly mean that you moved something up your scale. Doesn't matter if some of them are silly or stupid or crazy, anything. We just want you to I just want you to just brainstorm a bunch of them. Um, but it's all about it's all about that block being able to block time out, right? Because if you don't block specific time out in your diary, then it means it's a wish or it's an intention. If you can't block out time for it, it's just going to be, it's you're wishing something. It's writing down, get better at answering the phone is not an action. It's an intention, it's a wish. 25 specific actions. Once you've got 25, pick one. Pick one, block it out in your diary, commit to do it, between now and next week. That's again the wrong slide. Um, I'll read it out again. So <clears throat> that's it. That's me. If there's any last questions, please do take up the offer. It's a really, uh, sorry, the slide is wrong. Um, it's a really great offer. You will get an enormous amount of clarity and insight and, 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 and steps forward out of, uh, out of your most pressing issue. You get the business health check with a six page, seven page report. You get a copy of one of my books and you get a, uh, you get to sit down with me via Skype, or if you want to come to Elizabeth Bay face to face in Elizabeth Bay in my office, um, for up to uh, an hour and a half. And, um, all you have to do is make a donation to the Wayside Channel. So any last question? questions? And if you take nothing else away from this webinar, remind yourself of those two quick key questions. Are you taking sales as seriously in your business as you take the stuff of your business? 
And are you creating enough trust with your prospects? If you keep focusing on those two questions constantly, your life will change, I promise you. And I will turn off the recording now.